All right, so uh, we were having trouble yesterday trying to understand the um, the different models of relationship between a Jew and Hashem, like a child and a father, and a sheep and a shepherd. But before we get into that, let's just recap um, how we got into this discussion. We're talking about Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov Avinu is fabulously successful with sheep. And he buys with the sheep all other kinds of possessions. And although this is his main rechush, uh, this is his main occupation, and this is his main success, when he goes and he sends a, me- a mission to, peace mission to Esau, and to describe his, uh, what, he, what he does, he doesn't list sheep first. So, question is why? He lists sheep third, even though the sheep was his main possession. So, b- before going to the answer, uh, just important to remember that, that there's three points over here. Number one, Yaakov's main success is with sheep. Number two, he switches some sheep with other items to, uh, he buys other items with them. Number three, in the mission to Asaph, sheep isn't first. This must have some message for each of us because this is part of their. Okay, so to explain this, we brought this medrash. The medrash brings two different models relationship with us and Hashem. One is, he is my father, I am his son. And the other is, he is my shepherd, I am his sheep. And our question was, why is sheep and shepherd significant? They were talking about a father and son. A father and son have a, a obviously a, a far more profound, deeper relationship than a sheep and a shepherd. So why is this the analogy that we're using? Why is, it, why is this analogy added? The message says we're, he is our father, we're his son, and he is our shepherd, we're his sheep. What does that add? So to understand this, we started talking about levels of godliness. It's important to understand that the word son in denotes that there's a separate entity from the father. It's, it's not, usually we think of, of the, the penultimate relationship as a father and son. That's a connection of the essence of the son, the essence of the father. But it, there's also another point to this relationship, and that is there is a separate entity from the father. If we were to, to, to try to find a parallel for this in the analog, in godliness, we couldn't find anything higher than, than the world of Atzilus, than the Seder Shtalshos, in the spiritual cosmic order. Because there's no, there's no separate entity from Hashem Above Ishtalshalos. Above the spiritual cosmic order, there is nothing other than Hashem. All there is is Him. So you can't talk about, oh, what's Master? You can't talk about uh, levels, uh, you can't talk about son and father and, and, and a, a, a separate entity. Take, take, take some of the a coffee, it's kosher today. <laughs> you, you can't talk about a son and a father in a level of godliness beyond Ishtalshalos because. That would indicate that there's something outside of Galatians. Everyone's used the analogy of a child that cries. You cannot talk about a father and a son above Ishtalshalos, because over there, all there is is Enel Movade. All there is is nothing. There's just Hashem. There once, uh, once discussed the um, phenomena that in Hasidus, it talks about many levels above the Tzimtzum. And above the Tzimtzum, how, how, how could there? It seems there must be other tzimtzum in there too. Tzimtzum means contraction. If there are levels above the tzimtzum, 
then that would indicate that there are other tzimtzumim before the first tzimtzum. That would use his analogy of a child who wants it. Right. The first Simpson is traditionally the the, the first Simpson where the Aaron Sof is uh, recedes and there is a vacuum and Hasidus says it's not real, it's not kipshuta, it's not to be understood simply. The Aaron Sof is still there, it's just hidden. Whatever. The point is that there is something called the first Simpson and Hasidus talks about levels and Kabbalah talks about levels higher than the first Simpson. Aren't there Simpson before the quote unquote first Simpson? And there he goes analogy of a child a child who is complaining about something. And for the child, when he wants something, it doesn't matter what he wants. Whatever he wants, he cries. It doesn't matter what he wants. For the child, it's all the same. Just he, he, Something's missing, he's bothered. Similarly, before the tzimtzum, you can't really say there are various levels of this level, that level. All there is before the tzimtzum is, there's nothing besides Hashem. So it, it's expressed in this way, it's expressed in that way. There's not really a distinction between one level and the other. All there is is, what color is Enel Mavadeh today? You know, like, uh, whatever, Lahavdil. Uh, uh, when I was in Kailal, m- most people opted to name their daughters Chayamushka, right? So, so what, did your name, what did you name your daughter wasn't the question. What did you name your Chayamushka was the question. So, so, uh, so, uh, so before the Tzimtzum, there are no, there are no different levels. It's all Enel Mavadeh. There's no real distinction between one level and another. So, so, if, so at, that, at that level, beyond the Shtalashalos, you cannot talk about a father-son relationship. Father-son relationship means there's a separate entity. What could you talk about? You could talk about a connection between um, something which is completely insignificant, completely on a different plane, to something which is infinitely higher than that. And to portray that relationship, we're using the analogy of sheep and shepherd. Just like a sheep has no comparison to the shepherd, so too... There is no comparison between here, us, in this world, to the infinite levels of Galenus in Enemol Vadi. It's, it's insignificant. Um, and yet, despite it being insignificant, our significance to that level is, let's make, I'm make this really complicated. Well, I have no choice. Our significance is that we're insignificant, that we're not significant. Our significance is that we're bottle. So, we can't talk about father-son relationship because father-son relationship indicates that there's something important outside the father. That doesn't exist. There's nothing other than Hashem over there. In Atzmos, by the way, in Hashem's essence, we, we, I mentioned yesterday, it seems like Atzmos is missing from the, from the conversation. The reason why we're not talking about... In, in Atzmos, there's nothing besides Atzmos. Jews and Hashem are one. So talking about a son who's a separate entity doesn't apply to Atzmos. You can't talk about a son and father in Atzmos. Choice. Right. That's what you that say in Atzmos. Right. Exactly. It's not father-son. Right. In, in Atzmos, you don't talk about father-son. It's more a Hashem chooses the Jewish people. It's a Bechira. God chooses Jewish people. It's not, it's not a father-son. Father-son means a separate entity. Hashem chooses it. It's, it's, it's it only on a lower, on the level of godliness, which is in the spiritual cosmic order, can you talk about a separate entity that has importance. Okay. So what do you say about that level? What relationship can you have to that infinite level of godliness? It's only through your bittles, It's only through you considering yourself insignificant. By you being like a sheep who follows his master, that's how you connect to that infinite level. That's why the Torah says God is high and holy. And who does he rest upon? He rests upon someone who is broken and low-spirited. Um, 
And this is, we see naturally that, that sheep have this nature of bittel. That's why you're using the analogy of sheep. Okay. There are two ways that a Jew serves Hashem. One is like a sheep and one is like a child. When a Jew studies Torah, what is he doing? It's true that to get the Torah, you have to be bottled. You can't understand the Torah without, as we say every day in Shemana Esri, let my soul be like dust before all. Then we say, open my heart to your Torah. If, you're, if we find a phenomenon in history that tzaddikim are the ones who were, who were experts in Torah. It wasn't because other people weren't interested in Torah. Other people were interested in Torah. But only the tzaddikim, only the people which, which had absolute bittal were the ones who got the Torah. To have that connection to God's wisdom is by pushing out the ego. It's true. But the actual exercise, the ego, ego, my soul is like dust before all, then I could say, open my heart to your Torah. However, that's just the intro to Torah. The study of Torah itself is, how do I, me, myself, understand this thing that it says over here in this book? How, well, how does it make sense to me? Using my logic, I have to question and figure, does it, does it make sense? And, I, and I'm, the Torah says to ask the questions. I'm supposed to ask questions. I'm supposed to understand it and make it make sense to me. So, so Torah is about a separate entity. Uh, and that's like a father and son, where they're, they're bonding. But it's, it's, there's still a separate entity. There's still someone who's trying to understand Torah. But then there is a the time the Abisha says to you to do something which is unbecoming. He says, I want you to push away our relationship for a second and push away your, 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 your intimacy with me right now. And I want you to focus on lifting up the world and do something which, is, uh, which, you don't, which does not require the higher elements of yourself. I, just want, you to, I, I want you to be, be my gopher. I want you to go out into the world and just do something. So in that, in that model of serving Hashem, we are like sheep. We're going say we're going out of the dalad amis, out of the atmosphere of Torah, and in that in that model of serving Hashem, we lose ourselves. We're not we're not a separate entity. We're not an we're not an important entity. On the contrary, we push ourselves aside to do what Hashem wants. So in that model of serving Hashem, you have more sheep. You have more bittel. In, when, you're starting, when you're learning Torah, there's more son-father, there's more connection, there's more intimacy, but there's still a separate entity. In, in sheep-shepherd, in being a gopher for Hashem, so you don't have any more of this, this, um, this important separate entity. On the contrary, you're pushing your ego aside, and conversely, you don't have the intimacy either, but you're, you're pushing yourself aside, you're losing yourself to what Hashem wants. So... Bring this back to our first point over here about levels of godliness beyond the shtalshlos. So, what connects you to beyond the shtalshlos? It's by going out of yourself, do what Hashem wants you to do. That's how you you um, that's how you connect to, Hash, to Hashem's infinity. Serving, learning Torah doesn't do that because when you learn Torah, it's still about it's still a separate entity. It's still it's still a someone. Does that make sense? Seems to be a higher entity than doing learning Torah, but it's not. But I can't figure this out. Weak Vashom. Why? Because, because in the case of the Shemiah relationship, it's still not sheep like. Yeah, there's an element of Bittal there, but the, the Shemiah still has to think out his feet. Uh, yeah, he has the Koyak of the Shemiah, but he still has to figure stuff out and use his, his ego as independent. That's a good question. I think um, any shliach 
uh, would tell you that um, that what uh, what, the, what, the, what was the guy's name? Reichman. Re- he's built, he's building a house and he's building a few, has no idea what he's doing. Yeah, how do you do it? 95% mazel, 5% seichel. What, what, if you could do it again, what would you do? I wish I can give away all that seichel to get one more, one more percent of mazel. <laughs> so, so, but, but, but all, all of, just, just in a sentence, the intelligence that's needed to do something is minuscule compared to the intelligence that's needed to understand Tera. Just, just like practical engagements, when you're trying to understand a, a, something in a book versus trying to understand how to do something, it, it's, it's, it's two different um, it's two different kinds of intelligence. One is what is a, a, a scholarly understanding, is, and one is just a, 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 how do you do that, Bob, uh, kind of understanding. How do you do that, Bob, is it's true that the, the, the dedication that's needed in order to go out and do something is, is a point. You need to have dedication, you need to decide to push yourself aside to do what Hashem wants you to do. And why do you need to push yourself, push yourself aside? Because using, uh, we're talking about a neshama for a second. Let's, 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 let's frame this correctly. The framework of the discussion, we're talking about a neshama. A neshama loves to learn Torah. Neshama is engaging with Hashem in a very sophisticated, deep way. So go do something is an insult, and and that's how the neshama gets spittal by by being insulted and doing what Hashem wants it to do and pushing itself on the side. It's true it requires seichel too. You're right, but that seichel is minuscule compared to the kind of seichel it's using to learn Torah. Um, okay. Um, in note twenty one. Um, Note 21, there mentions that um, this bitl element, you have Note 21 in, in yours over here too? I, I'm looking at the original Yiddish, Note 21. Yeah, same, same, same note. Same note. Look at Note 21. This advantage in the Shama reaches that through going out and elevating the physical, the neshama gets more bitl, right? That additional bitl that the neshama receives by pushing itself aside, it's it's critical in order to fulfill God's intent of making the world a home. You need to have bitl to make the home. Why you need to have bitl to make the home? For Hashem in this lowly world, why is bitl important? Because what, what kind of home are you trying to make? Who are you making a home for? You're making a home for him, for God's essence. This world has more bittle than the worlds above it, believe it or not. There is something about the... Okay, make this more confusing again. There's more bittle in this world than there is in the worlds above it. How so? Because this world has absolutely no virtue. Other worlds have some kind of, kind of, uh, some, some, they, they, they express something. They have something that to, to, to express something to. They have some meaning. Yitzira is different than Bria. Everything has every world. Every sphere in every world has something that it gives. This world is just gashmistic. It's just physical. Just, just a thing. Its thinkingness is not a virtue, and therefore, because it has no virtue, it's more of a vessel for an expression of there's nothing besides Hashem. Because there's no 
it has no importance whatsoever. All, all it is is expression, uh, all, and therefore it's a perfect vessel to express how there's nothing besides Hashem. So in a similar way, when a Jew serves Hashem, and he is in a state of bittel, he's also able to be a vessel for this enabel vade kind of thing. But if you did, if you did, what would you discover? You would discover that there's, I don't know if this is a relevant discussion, but they say it's easier um, for a um, for a non-Jew to become a chassid <laughs> than it is for some people who are serving Hashem in a certain particular way. Why? Because they have their way of serving Hashem, and to switch is hard because they serve Hashem that that. But a guy, you know, he's, he has no form. He's no. He's for to bring him in and start talking. It's brand new. So, so this world has no teichin. Has no. It's empty, and therefore it's completely. A, 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 it's 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 a it's a long mimer which we, our Rosh Hashiva and Maris told us we have to memorize by heart, which I don't remember anymore. Uh, but um, the only thing he ever told us to memorize. It's probably a good thing to memorize. Anyways, but there's something about this world that's more bittel in the higher worlds. Maybe maybe I'll tell you more about it tomorrow. Akapanim, since there is more bittel in this world than the higher worlds, therefore um, it's a vessel for God's essence, and also a human being, a Jew who tried to create that place for Hashem, he has to create a place for Hashem in his own heart, in his own self, and also have that bittel. It's the bittel that makes it himself a vessel for this revelation. There's nothing besides Hashem. So when you're going to learn Torah, you're still a thing. When you're going to be a gopher for Hashem, you're not a thing. And because you're not a thing, therefore you're pushing yourself on the side, you're pushing your ego out, therefore you're, you're preparing the ground for Hashem to reveal Himself and to show there is nothing other than Him. Okay, let's go to Eisei. Yeah? Speak now forever, hold your peace. It makes sense? <laughs> Talk. Don't worry, I, I extend to you. Next point, you can understand that that part before, I think. Now we understand why it was the sheep that Yaakov was busy with in Lavan's house. What's the difference between what Yaakov did in Parshas Tildes and what Yaakov does in Parshas Vayetze? Parshas told us, "Mesupur al atkufa shabah ha'isavis Yaakov b'chinas ben." In Parshas told us, we read about Yaakov Avinu being a child. But Yaakov is tamei shavaholim. Yaakov is this sincere person who sits in the tents. What kind of tents was he sitting in? All eishal shame, all eishal aver. The tent of shame, the tent of aver. Yaakov is serving Hashem and studying Torah. He is God's child. He is a prince in the palace. Gam b'seifa parsha sham mesupur b'chinas Yaakov b'chinas even when Yaakov escapes his father's house, because he has to, he has to escape Esav. Gamos, It wasn't that he left the tent of Terah when he left his father's house. He hid in Aver's house for fourteen years. And what did he do in Aver's house for fourteen years? For fourteen years, he's studying Terah in Aver's house. So he's also a child. He's studying Torah. He has he has a, a, a intimacy with Hashem, and he is a prince. Unlike this parasha, the, what's the title of this parasha? Yaakov goes out. Leaving the four cubits of Torah, 
and entering Kharan. Kharan Afsham Wakam Ba'ilam. He goes to Kharan. Kharan is the most place that is that Hashem is angered by the most. I don't know the whole teaching of my grandfather, Al Vashom Marcha eleven, he used to say, Yaakov met the, the people of Kharan. He he says to them, Achai, my brothers, my Ayinatem, where are you from? And he said, the answer we were from Kharan. So he said to them, Achai, my brothers, you guys know you come from Ayin, right? You know, you know, you know that you have a spiritual source, right? Like lie. <laughs> we don't know anything like that. We're from Kharan. What, what are you talking about? So there are no... Um, it's a place that angered Hashem, a place of total concealment, the worst place in the world, the place where godliness is the most hidden. Yaakov leaves the house of Aver and goes into the worst place in the world. The base Lavan Harami. Who's he staying at? Whose house is he staying at? He's staying at Lavan's house. And what he did do over there, he actually was a shepherd in a simple sense. It wasn't just he was just doing it to be Yitzah. I have to be Yitzah. He was doing it with his entire might, as he says. The whole koichim with all my might, I served your father. We also learn from Yaakov the mitzvah or the obligation of a employee to an employer. Yaakov was the penultimate employee, and he teaches us what it means to be an employee, how you're supposed to serve someone that you're working for. It was specifically in shepherding those sheep, not considering the, the, the um, incredible concealment of godliness in, in, in Lovin's house. Yaakov was not affected. He wasn't excited. He wasn't bothered by it. Despite being in Lovin's house, despite the... Someone once asked the Rebbe, I know the source of this is what I heard, someone asked the Rebbe, how come you don't tell the students of your yeshiva to become doctors? You can't argue that being a doctor is a good profession, right? It's a good profession. Right? So how come... So how come... It's not when you make money, but it's a good profession. I, I don't know about that. I have a friend who's a doctor. Anyways, so... Uh, yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, so... so um, so they asked the Rebbe, you can't argue that that's a worthy, noble profession. So why don't you send your boys to your yeshiva, after they finish yeshiva, they should go to college and become doctors. So what I heard was, the Rebbe said that our yeshivas are hot shebahat, and college is cold shebekold, and cold of cold, cold shebekold. So it's not fair to send someone from hot shebahat to cold shebekold. It's just not fair. So yes, it's an important job, has to get done, but you don't want to send someone who's, who's in such a comfortable, warm environment just to go to... So it's just shocking. And, and that's what Yaakov had to endure. Yaakov endured this shocking uh, change from, go, from being in ya- Aver's house to being in Lovin's house. You know, can you imagine? In Aver's house, Aver says, um, I'm going to get you right? In Lovin's house, <laughs> it's a whole different house. You know? But what did Yaakov do over there? Yaakov reached absolute bittle. In what he got in Lovin's house, he couldn't get in Aver's house. Where did Yaakov achieve total devotion to Hashem? It wasn't in Aver's house. In Aver's house, it was all comfortable. In Lovan's house, we had to work in this most uncomfortable environment. That's where he, in that friction, that, that crazy environment, that's what brought out in Yaakov this devotion to Hashem. Yishleimar. So, one more paragraph. This is the, I'll tell you outside. This is the inner reason, inner meaning of why Yaakov's. Um, Success, Yaakov's prophet, Yaakov. What, where was all his success from? From sheep. 
What, why sheep? Because sheep indicates, it alludes to the spiritual level that Yaakov reached in Love and House. What did he get in Love and House he didn't have before? He got this sheep quality. He got this bittel quality. He didn't have that before. And that's why the Torah says, describing Yaakov's success, the Torah says, Peretz. Why is yeah. Peretz the word that the Torah uses to describe? Break. To break through all boundaries. Yeah. Why? Because through him having this sheep-like attitude, this bittel attitude, he broke through all the parameters and all the limitations of all the spiritual cosmos, and he reached to the infinite light of Hashem, Mo'id, Mo'id, Mo'id means very much, which means the infinite, and, and although Lavan switched in the monitor, okay, so that, that's the point, Yaakov, his, 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 in, he, because of his bittel, his success was with sheep, why? Because sheep indicates bittel. Yaakov achieved all success through his bittel. That, that, that's, what, that's what he got in Lavan's house, bittel. L'chaim.